welcome to Sound and Vision, that trivia-based wonder of pop culture, with your host, Marty Boston. Thank you, scary children. Yes, <laughs> it's another episode with me, Marty Boston. I, uh, and you've, me. Al- you've already started. I haven't even introduced you yet. And me. Calm your storm. <laughs> um, season one had a uh, a reoccurring guest near the end, to be fair. She she loves world cinema. She'd always, always try to throw one in. I try to go for <laughs> films which people know because then they can play along. They can guess. They can try and work out the clues because it's normally a film which has been in the loop, which people are aware of. My guest Emmanuel Martin, however, feels like throwing the idea out of a window instead going for this best spoke, unheard of film which no one even cares about but feels like it's a necessity because it's world cinema. Wow. So it's great to have you back. Hey, great to be back with um, more world cinema. World cinema that chatterbox no one extraordinaire. Yep. Yeah, I mean, not all of them. No one. Yeah, exactly. Quotation marks. And this week's theme is uh, practical effects. However, before we get into that, the way that the show works is as followed. Both me and Emmanuel have chosen two films each. I will be going first. I will give you three clues. A little bit of music will be played, not related to the film at all. That is your time to work out what the film is I've been discussing. We'll then come back, go into it a little bit, have a little bit of discussion the Emmanuel's go and we'll do that twice over so me M me M simple enough play along at home what could go wrong exactly <laughs> Emmanuel hasn't been with us for this season so it's slightly changed since the last season I feel like she may be able to cope I will try my best I can't promise anything no I know you can't but when we are on this show we would like to discuss you know, what is the theme? And it is practical effects. So, Emmanuel, what do you think of when you think practical effects? What's what's the number one film that you think of when you think practical effects? Not including the choices which either myself oh. or you have chosen. Because <laughs> um, I go Star Wars. Yeah, so, uh, well, the, the early ones, the 70s yes. one. Um, do you know what? Movies like Indiana Jones. I, I think adventure movies. Brilliant choice. I yeah. think Spielberg kid, in general. Yeah, Spielberg is like an amazing practical effect guy. He's I mean, all about back it. Back then. But also, if you want to go a bit more um, <laughs> indie route, yeah. uh, Wes Anderson is Wes an amazing practical effect. And it, it's, but he mixes it with amazing editing uh, skills. So it's, uh, you know, if you say practical effect for me, it has to have kind of a a trio of factors. So you would have, of course, you know, the practicality of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the set has been built or it's there. Yeah. Then you would need a kind of adventure idea. It doesn't have to be like Indiana Jones, but, you know, no, there's a course. kind of a a journey going on. And the third one would be like timing. A, a mise-en-scene or a staging that is really on point that you can see that everything is there for a reason. Yeah. And I feel like with our choices this week, yes. at least the three which I've seen, because obviously I haven't seen what? the one which no one's ever heard of, um, <laughs> then I, I feel like timing happens really well yes. um, in all three of them. Not, not 
not so much for the, the last one. But we are not there yet. We're no, at the, the start of the is, show. The last one is as timed as uh, our first choices. But your second one, it's not about timing. Ah, but mine is, is, uh, is just, it's wonderful. I can't wait to discuss my really second choice. However, before we do, we're going to go into my first. Okay. So, we'll go in to the first clue. Yes. Almost 5 million Germans watched the film during its initial release of 1984. A rare feat for a German production. Didn't know this was German, Wait, did you? what? Yeah, this is a German production. You didn't know that. No way. Yep. Clue two. When Warner Brothers passed on releasing Supergirl in 1984, which was originally designed to be their tentpole release that year, they hurried the release of this movie... For summer audiences. And clue three. The Night Hob says a profanity in the opening scene where the rock biter appears running down all in its path. The profanity is often dubbed over by the grumble of the rock biter's scooter so that it can be shown as a children's film. No way. Yep, so he says a naughty word. Um, <laughs> but but we don't get to hear it because this this is a kid's film. Uh, yes, it's, it's a PG. Kids. I remember because we had it in our household. I even remember the little triangle, the PG sign. Yeah, I remember it. Um, but even like it, it stars a kid. It's a kid's journey. I think like yeah, your choice is great because it's the epitome of what you know practical effect used to be. Oh yeah, it's definitely. It, it was making your dream. I mean, the, your choice is. I mean, I'm French, and I was moved by that movie. Everyone I think was it's like every kid wanted to be either that, that the main kid. I'll tell or you what. Hold it. We will I'm discuss it. it I'm after holding this. it. I can't believe it's German. Amazing, isn't it? All my guests, they're <laughs> really, really professional. I say to Emmanuel, Mike's going up, and she makes a Chewbacca noise. I, I can't help it. No. And I, I'm still at that point where I'm still amused by the idea of um, speaking when I'm not supposed to. Imagine you're a boy at a school, um, and you're bullied, and you're running away from a bunch of bullies, and they throw you in a dumpster. Horrible. Your dad's not really about anymore, and um, you know your mum's not there either. Sad, uh, she died, and um, you know that sucks. And uh, you, you're thrown into a dumpster not once but twice, and you're running away from the bullies again. Yes, and uh, you hide in this bookstore, 
Mm-hmm. And it's an old bookstore, and the bookstore owner's like, no, get out, you're a boy, you don't care for stuff like this, you care for computer games. And he's like, no, I, I've read lots of books, I've read Moby Dick and A Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, or Ten Thousand Leagues for sequel, um, and, you know, all the other wonderful films, and which aren't films because they're books, and it's wonderful, and it's magical, and I love it. And he's like, ah. Oh. And he's reading this book, this bookshop owner, and that book is then taken by this boy without the bookkeeper's knowledge, although he really, secretly, he, he knows he the boy is going to have it. That's why he pointed it. And, and he opens this book and he starts reading it. And he's not too sure what's going on. But before he opens the book, he sees the title of the book. And that book is The Neverending <gasps> Story. A wonderful film. Movie, Absolutely. It's one of my massively enjoyable film for yeah. practical effects alone it's it's up there with some of the best oh, yeah. um for that era of time when you think practical effects this this instantly came to both of us yeah, i would say because this was going to be one of emmanuel's choices um i put down my host foot and i said <laughs> no no i gently that is, gave it to mm, you so i can pick i could pick my weird international i i choice. i i literally had to tear it from your hands like a newborn baby. Um, but it's it's a wonderful, wonderful story um, where this boy is separating himself from the world, which he's no longer enjoying, and he finds this different story. And somehow, uh, I mean, if you've never seen it, you do need to see oh, it. But, but somehow, this book isn't a normal book. It's a magical book. And Sebastian starts to get involved within the story his character is actually vital to what's going on within it as well Atreyu who's another character in it as well he is on a journey himself and Sebastian's reading about this guy and what he's doing and how he's trying to resolve the issue which is only known as the nothing going into that as well with the kids the kids are wonderful but the reason why I chose this so there are many many practical effects within this film there's the rock biter, you know, the, just the general look of it and everything. And the the wise one, the, the turtle. The, the turtles sneezes, in it as well. because it it's allergic. There, there are so many practical effects. And the puppets extraordinaire, the, the, the scenery, the everything. But the reason why I chose this film yes. was because of the wish dragon, Falcor. Now, Falcor, each... Of the puppets required a team of puppets. That goes without saying. However, yeah. with this one, a team of about 25 were behind Falcor, with multiple people assigned to facial expressions alone. So one person was responsible for operating Falcor's nose, one for the eyebrows, one for the upper lip, and one for the lower lip. Falcor was actually 43 foot long. And it was motorized with 6,000 plastic scales and pink feather fur. His head is three foot tall and long and has a long tongue in the mouth. It was absolutely ginormous. And to just create that alone would be amazing. But furthermore, to to create it and then animate it. And watching Neverending Story, Falcor's the most believable out of all of the stuff which they make, to be fair. It is so wonderfully done. Like, in particular, his skin with the scales and a pink feather fur is 
just amazing. If, if you're born, I was born in the 80s. If you're born in the 80s and you've seen that movie, you wanted that as a pet. Massively. Like, it, it, I think I, I haven't met someone yet that doesn't remember the movie and think, oh, I wish I had, you know, this dragon as a pet. It, it's, and the theme for me, it's the theme of imagination. And that movie is a great example of what you can do with imagination. Mm-hmm. The whole idea is that because we're losing the the sense of wonder, yeah. then this world is disappearing. There are films, there are technology, and kids no longer reading. And that's the exactly. whole premise of it. No one is that's, that's a using their imagination. The They're watching. And yeah. it shows now even more. Kids aren't reading anymore at all. I mean, I have two children. The youngest one will be read to because he's four. But that's the good. 10-year-old, he's he'd much prefer play on a computer game or, or watch a film and because it, it's, it's almost yeah. like a dead love but, that movie is a great example of what you can do with imagination mm. and and that's what i love about it because you have everything and it, it wasn't also what i like about the 80s movies for kids any 80s movies for kids very often weren't taking kids for granted or or they weren't dumbing it down for them because you have like really moving moments like when the horse dies i mean probably everyone has seen it by now Spoiler. but yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> Too late. Horse, horse didn't die in real life. Yeah. Which is nice. <laughs> yes. There but, was you no know, animals. They were doing like very <laughs> deep, uh, very deep themes. Yeah, massively. The theme of losing your world. Like, basically, you were, you know, working against death. Mm. And it was like a, a race against death. Which is the premise behind the nothing. Exactly. But also, it's, you know... you. You have really dark moment, but it was working and it was allowed for kids to be brought up into that type of world. Mm. When now it feels like a bit... When watching those kids' movies, first of all, you have way less practical effect kids' movies, which I find it a bit distressing because it was really brilliant for imagination. Yeah. And it, it now it's a bit like everything is handed on a platter. Like, oh, Absolutely. you want a new world here? Here, that you have the computer, it does everything. You don't have to use, you know, one iota of imagination. Mm. But also, it feels like kids were kids before, and now we put them in adult situation. But in a way, like, oh, you're in the middle of a war, <laughs> and you have like the kid with like special forces or anything. You're like. Well, it doesn't make me really dream anymore. <laughs> what I like about um, the Neverending Story and so many others as well is recently they've got a massive revamp because of Stranger Things. Yes. Stranger Things has helped 80s franchises yeah. in general just have a massive uplift. In particular, season three with the Neverending Story, they sing the theme tune. Do they? They do. I didn't see it. Yeah, they sing the theme tune. Um, wow. because that's a massive part of it as well. It's really funny, really entertaining. And after that, The NeverEnding Story came back in the official 100 charts as well, oh, wow. which was really impressive. That was the impact that it had. But was Stranger Things advertised for kids, or is it like something for adults? No, 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 but, it, but it's, it's for adults, but it's kids. But that's the thing, because when, when I watch it, I find it that it would be suitable for kids. Mm, Definitely, no, no, it would not. I think it would. There is some brutal, gruesome, gory, 
and sexual moments. Is there? Oh, yes. Oh, much like season one. There's no sex. Yeah, no, no, no. Season two and three, it gets sexed up. Oh, yeah, with a cougar who was trying to get like yeah. the pool dude. <laughs> exactly. But we're going uh, off subject. Yeah. Sorry. Never ending story. If you've never seen it, give Please it a watch. watch it. There is never ending story two and so three. Uh, two's okay. Three, I would just write off altogether. Don't even worry about it. I think um, for, for a kid, it's a beautiful movie, and it, it's it, it's a wonderful film. It's if it really doesn't make nice. you want to read a book, yeah, exactly. Because I remember then watching the the movie and then thinking, I'm going to read as many books as I can because I want to leave what this kid is living. Now it is actually a book. This um, is adapted. However, mm. it's a German book, so you'd have to get it translated. I'm pretty sure you can get yeah, it it's translated. Yeah, probably been translated. In addition, the end of this film is only the first half of the book. Now, I don't know if the second half is the never-ending story part two. I don't know. I've not looked into it, if I'm honest. But it means that there's more stories there's more still there. There's more to it there. than just that. Absolutely. Ooh, so that's like another it. reason to yeah. read the book, um, to revamp your library. Yes. So yeah, never ending story. If you've never watch seen it, it, watch it. Watch give it. it a watch. If you have seen it, give it another watch. Oh my god, did you actually? It's on Netflix. Advice a world movie. It's not really a world movie. Uh, it's German production. That's a, that's yeah. as close as you can get to a world production. Exactly. <laughs> that's movie. it. How do you feel now, having you know, advertised like I've expanded my horizon. Emmanuel. Oh, should I move on to mine? What is your first I'm really choice? excited about it. Okay, so, clue one. The director got his inspiration for the visual aspects of the film around 1975 after seeing an illustration by Leonard B. Lubin of Lewis Carroll's poetry showing crocodiles living in a palace and wearing elaborate robes and jewellery. It would make sense. Fact two, the director modelled the bad guys on the seven deadly scenes. Uh. As there were more than seven, some of them were repeated. Also, the magical and dark themes were made on purpose because the director wanted kids to be out of their safe zone. They didn't want, he didn't want something that was too, you know safe for kids okay yeah that makes sense um and that was my third one cool okay well <laughs> what was it too short no 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 Should it I wasn't heard? that it's just normally when someone says clue one clue two they, yeah they i forgot to say, say clue three clue three it's all right surprise we'll be <laughs> surprise clue we'll be back after this Time is up. Emmanuel, what is your choice? Well, my choice is legendary. 
it's from it's a movie from 1982 <sighs> my year of birth by jim henson and frank oz i guess you know if you say those words good old henson jim and oz and it's the dark crystal which recently got a prequel. Yeah, reboot a prequel uh, so a tv series uh on, on netflix netflix so for, for those who has, haven't seen it which i would be surprised but we follow the journey of Jen, a young gelfling mm. who has been raised by the mystics, the oh, kind adorable wizards. Adorable little gelflings. I know, he's so cute. And his quest is to save his planet, Thra, from being ruled by the evil Skeksis by healing the crystal. Again, wouldn't work in this day and age. It's, it's, it has that feel of the 80s automatically. Even just reading that plot, you know that it's from the 80s. It's really? not so absolutely the names what the whole basis is the fact that it's just you know it's like an evil and then when you see him as well and it, yeah it just screams 80s yeah. everything about it but it's so and it's dark fantasy adventure film you were talking about how many people it took to animate the dragon mm, yeah, uh, yeah. in never ending story in this one for the skexis for those who have seen it seen the the movie the bad guys so the, the crystal was they're like you know, vulture-like creatures, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're kind of vul- part bird, part vulture, part um, snake, part uh, dragon. All the horrible a, bits. Yeah, they were horrible looking. But um, it took six people to animate one Skeksis. Wow. But that's in the Dark Crystal, the movie in 82. Now in the TV series, it only takes two, two people. Ah. But back then, that Dark Crystal practical effects were groundbreaking mm. and now we talk about it as if it was like a classic you know old school effects but back then it was really groundbreaking i mean um reading about it so they had a set and they, they had to build different sets and they had to build it like several foot high so that the people animating it could be under and moving the puppets really <laughs> so it was like yay but it, it, it's 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 an amazing movie. Uh, for for the story within the story, I, I think it's one of the first VHS we had at home, and we watched it and rewatched it to the point that you know it, it, it started to yeah it, it died. <laughs> but again, even in France, Dark Crystal works. It's it's one of those movies that that speaks to I think would speak to every kids in the world because. At the heart of it, you have one kid who was in a difficult situation. Very often, it's always orphan or bullied or whatever. And then we goes on an adventure and we, we kind of um, go beyond his or her limits mm. and, and be, you know, better themselves and, you know, become a hero without you know wanting it to yeah. start with and, and every kid's dream of that that's what you do you know in the schoolyard you you, inve- you invent you know adventures with your friends you're like yeah you're gonna save the you know save your friend or whatever and those movies were great for that but the dark crystal and same thing that the music is on point um every everything is up to scale in Massive the dark mess. crystal i know it's amazing uh, except the castle because they didn't have enough budget so that's why they use a lot of smoke to me. Oh, really? <laughs> but 
it's almost I think it was almost to scale but they, they couldn't finish it properly but it, it's amazing it's massively Please enjoyable film um, like I said if you want to have the full story of Dark Crystal it's now on Netflix yeah. um, both the film and the series so you exactly. can watch the series first and then the film because it's a prequel the other, the other film round about that period of time which really hit me uh, was Labyrinth as well. I was about to say that because it's Hanson and Oz yeah, again. That, again, that has totally yeah. the same type of vibe with the practical effects at least. Yeah, um, it's the same dudes. What wonderful film as well. I just feel like it needs to give a little nod because, oh, yeah. I mean, Bowie's in it, obviously. Um fan of Bowie considering all the name of, of the show oh yeah all <laughs> oh, of Bowie um, if you've never seen Labyrinth <laughs> although it is for children um, there's a particular scene with David Bowie which is probably not for children because he has very tight trousers on that so. I mean, it's not just this scene it's the whole movie from scene one where he appears you're like whoa that's yeah. a very tight yeah. trouser there's that oh and here comes David Bowie <laughs> yeah exactly just like that walks into the room later yeah oh that's Bowie <laughs> I bet hell he's here now is he Ooh. oh um but yeah Dark Crystal is amazing Labyrinth I just wanted Labyrinth to give a little nod is a wonderful several film several years after Dark Crystal yeah it's it's gorgeous film though but um, I think wasn't it like um originally they were supposed to do Labyrinth first they were they weren't they 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 did the Dark Crystal first because they weren't famous enough to be given the budget or something? Uh, no, it was due to the actors. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was the actors. But still, wonderful film. But Dark Crystal, if you've never seen it, give oh. it a watch. Um, I prefer Dark Crystal. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm a Labyrinth man myself. Labyrinth is great, but it has... That's the thing. It still has that 80s thing that sometimes is a bit too much. Too 80s. The acting... There's no such thing as too much because 80s. You're, you're a fan of the 80s. It's not my decade. What can I say? I'm more of a, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s type of girl. I'm just eclectic, unlike you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was Emmanuel's first choice. I'm going to move on now to my second. All right. Yeah, it's all about you, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Clue one. As of 2018, this feature is the only one James Franco was nominated for an Oscar performance. The camcorder used by James Franco in the film was the actual one Aaron Ralston used when he was trapped in the Blue John Canyon. Can you repeat his name, please? <laughs> Aaron Ralston. You're right with that? I don't know. I don't even know how it's written. I just like the idea of you panicking trying to say a name. And clue three, the film is the second film directed by Danny Boyle to contain a time denomination in the title. The first being 28 Days Later in 2002. I totally forgot it was Danny Boyle. Oh, yeah. What? Brilliant. Okay. Brilliant Danny Boyle film. Yeah. Okay, we'll be back after this.
I like an adventure. Emmanuel, you like adventures, don't you? I do. This man, Aaron, he really liked adventures. He liked to do adventures by himself. Doesn't tell anyone that he's going anywhere, and that's the key for this film. He he feels like that he's indestructible, that he's one with the world, and he uh, he goes. He goes to Blue John Canyon in America, mm-hmm. and he's jumping all about, and he's loving life, and he meets some people, and then he doesn't see anyone for miles and miles. He's got his camcorder. He's prepared. He's got his backpack with water on, and he's loving it. And uh, he makes a bit of a boo-boo, to say the least. Makes a bit of an error. Uh, and he slips, um, and he falls down a crevice, um, and in doing so, a giant boulder collapses on his arm, um, which shatters it to pieces. And that's the situation which is in the film 127 Hours. Um, was a book which was done by Aaron, it was a self-published book, and it's... As the name of the title says, it's the journey of a man who is stuck there for 127 hours with limited water, no one around for tens of 20s of 30s of miles. However far it is, there is no one about, and that's really key in this. There's no signal, they're unable to communicate with anyone, and it's this man's journey being absolutely stuck with a boulder holding his arm in place. And it's it's not a light boulder would weigh something around 10 to 25 tonnes. So you're not lifting that. I don't care who you are. <laughs> Eddie, St- not Eddie that. Strongman would not even be able to lift it. So it it kind of goes without saying that he's not going anywhere with this arm intact. And what's absolutely amazing about this film is it goes through the journey for the fact that he he has to drink his own urine at one point because he has no other way to keep hydrated, because he's dehydrated, obviously. Um, He's limited on food. He's only got what he has as well. It's an extremely limited situation. He's obviously tired. He's exhausted, because he's just standing there. He's unable to move, so he's unable to rest as well. Then when the sun goes down and the night comes up, the temperature drops as well, which is another aspect. having a panic attack with you just describing it. (laughs) Then you have natural predators about as well, which is also a concern. You have several aspects which is constantly going on throughout the film. So although he's in an isolated situation, at the same point, there's so many entities around him which can also affect him as well. It's it's a fantastic concept. Um, for the fact that it happened real life as well, and this man managed to survive, is now living, um, he has a wife, children, family, has a whole shebang. But the reason why I chose this, because this isn't an obvious choice for practical no, effects, not. This is a spoiler. He has to cut his arm off. Yeah, it's a horrible situation. He does it with a blunt knife on a pen knife. It, it goes on for absolutely ages. It is detailed. It is gruesome. It is horrific. But they needed to do it to show the lengths in which this man had to take in order to survive. But what's amazing about the practical effects side of this is as followed. There were 10 different arms created, each one worth about 10 grand. So that's 100 grand's worth of stuff just there. Bloodshot contact lenses and dental plumpers for James Franco's face was created to show a change over time because obviously he was dehydrated. James Franco actually had a free sleeve t-shirt on because the fake arm had to come out in front of his real arm 
I just like the idea that someone had to make a free sleeve t-shirt. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> that was someone's job. I'm just like, yeah, go on. But, <laughs> I'm like really mesmerised by but, this But the main factor of this was the main surgery arm for the amputation scene was loose jointed and the one that had all the blood in it. Different muscle groups. It was made of aluminium and steel. Then there was foam, latex, silicone muscles. It had fibres embedded into the silicone, so it would cut like muscle tissue instead of cutting into other stuff that would look like jello. It's an arm, so you know where the veins and arteries are, so they, they knew where to put everything and where the blood would come through. In addition, and this is the wonderful bit, this has since got such good feedback that a kit was made where you can put prosthetic pieces on a medical dummy for real-life scenarios for doctors whoever to practice on to work on how they would amputate an arm correctly or whatever limit is or just for general surgery or anything like that this film the arm was so detailed that they're now using this for medical reasons which is a wonderful thing that practical effects has gone so advanced now but it's actually helping people train for medical situations it's wonderful that that was able to happen but It's it's just absolutely amazing, the, the length and detail. And it's obvious why they had to go into that much detail, because it is an intense scene. If it looked fake, it wouldn't have notice. worked. I've watched that movie. Yeah. And I didn't notice, like, it, it didn't down on me, oh, they must have done, like, a full arm. Yeah. Well, it, it's just so realistic. Just, yeah. You're just you're just taking in what's happening. You don't think about what's gone on behind it. But there's a particular moment and the sound editing is wonderfully done, is when his knife is on a nerve, and he goes to cut it, and there's this screeching noise each time he touches it, and the screen goes like a bit like white and blurry, and it's, oh, it's just perfectly done. It's, an, it's just an amazing bit of cinema just there. That moment is absolutely it wonderful. It's, yeah, it's, it's a long haul, and it's brutal, Um Unlike films, um, so funny enough, a few weeks ago we did Confined Entities and Buried was a subject which I chose it, which was Ryan Reynolds in a coffin for an hour and a half. It works, it doesn't go off, it doesn't do flashbacks, it doesn't do anything like that. They confine the entire film into a box and it works. With this film they don't do that, they do do flashbacks. He does look on his camcorder to see memories, he does go into that idea. That does happen, but I don't feel like that takes away from what this film is. Yeah, exactly. He still is isolated. He still has oh, yeah, no one coming to help. Um, he has no other choice because you need to be made. You need to feel that. Well, it's been five days. It's either that or he dies. Well, yeah, that's so it. If you don't feel like that, then you wouldn't understand why you'd be like, "Why did he get his arm?" But then watching that movie, you understand. I, I just love the idea that. The premise of it is an idiot who think he's invisible. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what what, what's even more amazing is in 2004, Aaron actually went back to the boulder. So they got they got the arm out eventually. Okay. Um, so they got the, but the boulder stayed there, and um, they cremated his arm, and he went back to the boulder with uh, with like a news crew, and then scattered the ashes of his arm on the boulder. Nice. And then went away, no, no. Um, and Someone that was that, that was him closing. But there have been people since who have gone on this journey because of the film 127 Hours. There was a man who slipped 
tripped, fell, broke his leg, arm, took forever to get out. The only reason why he was saved is because this film had just come out and they were getting an increase of people going there. So they were naturally going around the areas looking for people that may have had an accident. This individual in particular was found. So on the flip side, this this film did help him, but also he wouldn't have been in a situation in the first place if a film yeah, hadn't occurred. It's like the Darwin Awards. Yeah. <laughs> in the making. Yeah, I mean, like, absolutely. Some, some lights Darwin Awards. But it is, it is a wonderful film to see, and it really shows the lengths in which people will go to survive and to have a new lease for life and wanting yeah. to, you know, start... A, like I said, this man has now got a, a wife, a child, he has a loving family behind him as well, and he had to go through absolute hell to get there. Now, yeah, I mean... He, he definitely he even says at the end of the film he now takes his phone with him because he still goes out he still does his tracks he still climbs mountains yeah. he still does all of that but he makes people aware of where he's going and I feel like that's the real key message here yeah, you may know. feel like that you're an independent invincible person but it's actually quite a smart idea to make people aware of where you are yeah make people aware of where you are take uh, not on your phone because sometimes you don't have a possibility to phone but you know um, Just satellite phone, work. take a satellite phone I mean if you're going to go on, on those hikes that are crazy dangerous like take the take the specific gear you know satellite phone and, and enough food and water like to last at least certain amount or maybe take some, some stuff to be seen from yeah, afar you, you know. absolutely just common sense yeah but um, but, but I, I like that you chose that because when you think practical effect you never you wouldn't think you know danny boy um no but i like that there's also a revival of the practical practical effect that are out of the the realm of uh adventure or kids you know type of movie mm-hmm. or adventure kids movies all together and it's part of that you have some directors who are kind of going against the grain but you also need the budget you need the the the, the trust from the production company because it ends up being pricier why do we use cgi because it's it ends up being cheaper safer sometimes would have been awful if i used cgi for that scene it would have been absolutely horrific but that reminds you know it also you know men like so danny boyle can afford to do that christopher nolan is prime example of practical effects director in a more Hollywood mainstream way. Mm-hmm. So it's not about making your dream or anything. It's about making it more believable. When he blows up the full hospital in the Joker, um, the Dark Knight, Dark Knight you know, it, it does look better than than if it was CGI explosion and way cooler. I mean, you're back to, in a way, you're back to those old school movies. I mean, old school, like 80s, 90s, where you had an actual real explosion behind the actor. Yeah. So The you, explosion wasn't... So when he clicks it in yeah, The Dark Knight, and he, and he, that wasn't actually meant to happen. No? That was just meant to explode. And Heath Ledger just... Kept in character. Yeah, he ad-libbed and he just went with it and it worked and it stayed yeah. in the film, which is a lovely bit of cinema just there. Yeah, because if you do practical effects, very often it's a one-chance thing, you mm-hmm. know, one-chance shot. You need actors who are... You, you can't just say, oh, we're redoing it. Like, we're unexploding the hospital. Yeah, it's you a one-and-done type deal. You have to do it the first time. But that, that's why, even though Nolan... I'm, I'm not... I'm a, I'm a fan in a way that his movies don't really disappoint me, but 
he's not in my top 10. He's an amazing director, don't get me wrong. It's just I'm more moved by other I type. I mean, one of his films are in my top three films of all time. Which one? Inception. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, good, it's, it's a good one, but it doesn't it's not move just good, me it's as absolutely much as some amazing. other movies might move me. Absolutely that, amazing. But I'm, Dunkirk was amazing. Uh, it was it was really like breathtaking, and I like that. I like that there's a kind of revival of practical effect because I think some directors and also some production companies understand that the audience is hungry for something that is tangible. We want to feel that it's not a green screen, and also actors do act differently it's, it's, in front of a green screen. They don't act as well. CGI will date as well. But it, it's already it does, dated. Watch um, the Star Wars. Well, <laughs> Star Wars 1, 2, 3, for Christ's sake. Absolutely. You go back to films, Lord of the Rings is another example of that. It did an age. Return me. of the King in particular, when the army of the dead come and flurry across, and it just looks horrific. Yeah. Even more recent ones. I remember um, Captain America's Civil War being another example. There's certain moments when... Uh, Tony Stark has his um, his mask off so you can see him and he just looks like he's a floating head stuck yeah. on an Iron Man suit doesn't CGI well. doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to look good even with a big big studio like Disney and Marvel mm. and all of that it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work to what they want it to because when I watch you know the OJ Star Wars mm. as opposed to the 1, 2, 3 like the 2000 Star Wars yeah, yeah. for me I find that the 2001 age didn't age as well as the 70s ones. I do. Maybe it's a question of, you know, um, sensibility. I find some movies with practical effect. Yes, yes, it looks like there's cardboard in the background. It still looks better than a green screen. Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of practical over CGI. And that that's you know even the stunts are more interesting and that's why I like also also the old school stunts like Indiana Jones the 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 original ones like the first ones you know you see the guy jumping from one train to another it, it's not just you know <laughs> you have the background you know it, it's just it just looks better and it makes you know the suspension of belief no I way more agree. efficient but yeah one twenty seven hour. I, I didn't I didn't even think about it. That's how good it is because yeah. I watched it and I didn't think, oh, practical effect. No. So I was fully in the story that it didn't it, shock it's me. It's an immersive film, to say the least, and, and that scene in particular. Mm. But I just, I mean, just briefly going back to it before we move on to yours, I just like that not only was it able to draw you in so much, but in addition on top of that, it's now given an advantage in medical science yeah. and breakthroughs by allowing people to train on this type of thing. Because it used to be, you know, like when you used to do CPR and stuff like that, and it was fake and you didn't really get a feel of it. Whereas all of this, if they put all the veins and muscles and tendons in the right place, you can go at it and see what would happen, what wouldn't happen. I wonder if I cut this artery, what would happen? Would this, would I get blood splurted in my face? Would it be fine? Would it be a small seizure? Would it be a major seizure? You can find all of that out now because of a film a film in addition a film which was made about a guy who slipped and had a boulder crush his hand yeah. um the so acting was amazing in it i'm not a huge oh, fan of james franco but the acting i mean if you can last one hour you know and a half about one hour and a half that mm-hmm. movie lasts um without being bored 
that that's the acting it's really huge draws you in. It's but the thing that I I feel I'm not sure it would have to be confirmed, but it feels like nowadays all those directors doing practical effects are those with the budget, yeah. whereas before practical effects were used around. because you didn't have any budget. Yeah, it was so it, it, there's this big change when suddenly it feels like practical effect became a luxury it's and a became revival, because you have power. You have kind of a, a power over the production company yeah. and you have the trust of the production company plus a kind of name, then you have the luxury to It's a, it's do a revival. Effects. It's almost like, you know, the whole retro vibe. It's like, oh, practical yeah. effects was good. Let's bring that back. Hence why the Muppets came back on the TV. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, at the moment we're in adverts as well. It's very much a revival of that looking back with rose-tinted glasses. We loved that. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Well, and practical effects in this day and age. It's more than retro, because when you see what Nolan is doing, it's, it's not retro. It's just perfecting, you know... Wonderfully as well. The visual effect. It's visual effect. We move from special effects. You know, the special effects were all the rage. Oh, we need special effects. To we need to have the best visual effects so people actually get into the story. And, and believe in the story. And I think now that we stop toying with CGI, because I can understand 2000, it's the beginning of it, George Lucas and stuff like that, they were at the beginning of it. So it's mm. like you have a new toy, you want to overuse it, which has been done. We overused it. And now we understood that CGI shouldn't be the main attraction. It should be what helps you for that little plus that you can't do in addition to the practical effect. But And that little thing... Well, you know, if you want to make a building a bit taller, okay, CGI, why not? But it shouldn't be the main dish. Yeah. And that's a new thing. But, yeah, it, it's just, I, I love, I do prefer practical effect. Uh, another movie that used practical effect that I love is Hook. <laughs> yep, Hook, Hook does like, use practical effects, yeah. I mean, and it, that movie made me dream. Yes, you see the cardboard in the distance. It's but fine. It made me dream way more than any other CGI-made world. Best practical effects in that is when they actually shrunk Julia Roberts to the size of Tinkerbell. It's wonderful. Physically, they got yeah, shrunk Yeah, they just, and, like, pressed her, her down. very... <laughs> the island. No, but because... <laughs> you idiot. When they fly as well, that was a really good practical effect me, as well. Me, me, me. <laughs> no, but the practical effect in very often in this kids' show were kind of like tricks you know you could see like when the slides and everything they slide and, and you have all those um booby traps and and you could see that probably those directors spend hours saying okay how can like the goonies how can we make the best traps mm. ever when they get into you know that cave and you can see the kids you know going down the slide avoiding you know s some traps and, and you know what? I'm jealous of them because, like, oh my God, I want to do that. That looks amazing. <laughs> it does look great. But going back to 127 hours, if you haven't seen it, yeah, don't do although I've anything. spoiled it, it I mean, it's known that it was yeah, going to happen known. anyway. I mean, that's a true um, story. So it's a true really story. Although it's a spoiler, it's not, it's not about the ending. It's about the journey and the lengths this yeah. man has to go through. Very much a worthwhile film to sit down, take okay, your time yeah. to watch it. Lovely film. And it's Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle doesn't really do bad films, which is nice. Oh, I mean, recent, let's recent, not start that. Recent, <laughs> recently, start that. recently, maybe not so much. But, you have five hours. But um, 
I think he's a bit but a overrated. But a few prior to that, I, he had a good run. Not so much now. Anyway. What a good 127 run. 127 hours. Had like, he had. Um, Haven't seen it. Give it a watch. If you have yeah, seen it. Yeah, please watch it. Watch give it. it a rewatch. Exactly. That is my second choice. <laughs> we will now move on to the world cinema segment with Emmanuel Martin. I know. Clue one. Yeah, I, I will try to remember to say every time. Clue one. It is the directorial? Directorial? How do you pronounce that? You know, you know when you said that I couldn't pronounce certain things? <laughs> I have an excuse. It's that my language. No, What's your excuse? <laughs> well, I don't know. I haven't got that in front of me. Okay. It is a debut. Yeah. <laughs> For Jean-Pierre Genet and Marc Caro. Like that. You understood that. It's a French one. Yeah. It was released in the US as presented by Terry Gilliam. Gilliam? Gilliam? Yeah. Which is other, another amazing practical director. Oh, we'll, we'll talk about him. Oh, Tezza. Clue two. Jean-Pierre Genet got the idea for the movie in 1988 while vacationing in America. He said after staying in America's hotels, he felt the food was so bad that it tasted like real humans. Then came the idea for the movie. Clue three. The film received several European and international awards from France to Japan and was nominated at the BAFTAs and directed in 1991. <gasps> This brief moment of time when the music will be played will be the time when you get to think about what Google. Emmanuel was Google. just speaking <laughs> about. Um, if you know it, I mean, bravo to it you. It was showed at the um, um, Duke of York last year, or two years ago. Wonderful. Exactly. So it's known by the English audience. We'll be back after this. <laughs> Time is up. Emmanuel, <laughs> tell us about your world cinema It choice. is the wonderful movie, uh, a post-apocalyptic black comedy called Delicatessen. Yes, that cult classic, which everyone it knows. It is a cult classic. I'm not joking. It is a cult classic. So basically the story, so in a post-apocalyptic France, Meat is in short supply and grains are used as currency. A former clown, Louison, is hired as a handyman in an isolated building populated by weird tenants and a beautiful girl, of course, because you need the beautiful girl beautiful called Julie. Because there's some very romantic moments. 
The owner of the building is the butcher who has amassed huge wealth in spite of the situation. He also uh, happens to kill the numerous handymen he's hiring in order to sell their meat. <laughs> But it's not it's not like gory uh, I want it's not a gory movie. It's a quirky, weird movie that um you don't see any cutting or anything. It's everything is subject suggested suggested i like the the premise the fact that grains are used as currency that's a really smart yeah. um so practical effects wise can you briefly go into what yeah. type of practical effects we see in this one last thing maybe brighton we love that there's a resistance movement because it kind of there's i don't know if there's a war happening still happening but there's a an underground resistance movement called Or the troglodytes yeah troglodytes but they are literally living in the sewers And um, and they are um, they're actually vegetarians, <laughs> so they're fighting against the the they're against like men like the butcher were eating meat. <laughs> it's very it's 1991, but <laughs> it would be very bright nowadays. But lots of practical effects in the meaning that um, everything is done like it, it's on sets. And uh, Jean-Pierre Jeunet is quite famous for using like not using lots of CGI, so. It's more on the imagination. Uh, it's more of a quirky practical effect in, in, in the idea that everything is extremely timed. So it's it might be closer to Wes Anderson in a way. Okay. Everything is extremely timed. The editing is seriously on point. And um, f so all happens in that building. So you can see like the stairs and the apartments and everything is done, is filmed on location there. I don't know if the set was uh, was built on purpose. I think it probably built some. But that director, I, one of the latest one is called Mick Max, and it's the same idea. So a lot of things are done, like the traps are done, you know, on set. It's not, it, it's not, um, I don't know how to explain it. Um, um, So, you know, they have to set it up. Like, you see some videos of a guy, like, moving his, uh, uh, moving his spoon with, like, s some stuff falling down. A, a ball is falling down a chute, and then, like, you have different set dominoes falling, and that triggered, you know, kind of the a domino. domino effect. Yeah, that. He uses a lot of that. So he uses domino effects. But not real dominoes. But with other items. Exactly. A lot, but no, that movie is really fun. Um, the music—it's—it's very—it's um, very also cute in a way because the way you know the the main hero Louison and Julie, the the beautiful girl, are courting each other. They're very shy, so it's very Charlie Chaplin, you know, esque in, in the the courtship. Uh, it's a beautiful movie, but at the same time, yes, it's quite dark because. Um, the grain also of the film is very dark because y you don't have like blue sky or anything or it happens underground with the resistance movement. Uh, resistance. Yes, resistance. Or just resistance. Uh, resistance, sorry. But um, and, and he's also famous for using a lot of character actors. So, for instance, the main actor, they, they actually noticed him in a commercial on French TV. He was uh, doing a kind of a chef, an angry chef, culinary uh, coach. Uh, and it was to sell, like, ham. It was really famous commercials in France. And they saw him in that, oh, he will be 
excellent as the murderous butcher. <laughs> it did work. He's excellent as I mean, it. Yeah. I mean, it was written for him. But um, yeah, he's a, I know lots of people don't like it, but he's a director of the force. Alien. Oh. oh. <laughs> And that's the end of this week's show. <laughs> no, you can't end on that. Poor thing. No. <laughs> yes. What a shocker of a movie that I was. liked it. You I can go that. home. I know. But to be fair, I've never been... I need to watch... I think I haven't watched all the aliens. And um, They stop at two. Is it? The third one is no good. The third one is a shame because it's David Fincher. And actually, it comes into this. One and two, practical effects, wonderful. Blue screen, admittedly, on some aspects yeah. of it. But mostly practical effects. David Fincher, it was his, like... First, second film after it, seven came out, so he, okay. he redeemed himself afterwards. Um, but what they did with the third film is they used CGI for the alien. Now, the issue was this is mid 90s, so CGI it, it wasn't even really mainstream yeah, at that point. Exactly. So, when you see the alien crawling on the ceiling, it just takes you out of the film entirely. Okay, so even if the story was wonderful was fantastic it was the best thing that you've ever seen it's just it's just it's an absolute shock you said it it takes you out of the story yeah it does bad visual effect take you out of the story and i think but i think jean-pierre genet used practical effect for the fourth one i think i would have to check but yeah okay is it's not it still bad. doesn't redeem but he's uh, to redeem himself he's the director of amelie of montmartre yeah amelie's a wonderful which film. is a I, I really like it. Mick Max's latest one is really good. But this one being his first, he also did The Island of Lost Chi uh, Children, which is a really good one. They were supposed to do that first, but didn't have enough budget for it. Um, but Delicatessen, yeah, please watch it. Um, it can be found with English subtitles. It's, it's quirky, it's weird, it's dark, but then you have some very romantic, beautiful moments. It's funny as well, because, I mean, it, it's, it's like... Um, Like the idea of the clown who, who manages to to defeat the villain, and, and and to me, when watching it as well, like one of the bad guy, he really looked like a guy who was in the militia, like in the 40s, because you have that 40s element in their outfit. So it's just that building in the middle of nowhere. You don't get out of it. It's just one location. You don't feel bored though. Um, But one location, and you have all those f people living in there, and they're kind of yeah dressed almost as a forties. So uh, I'm wondering if there there isn't also a bit of a an allegory of you know the war where you had the people collaborating because mm. they wanted some food, and then the people were just you know going along trying to you know lay low so they don't you know they don't get in any trouble, but they are neither nor, you know, with... Then you have the resistance movement in the underground and the hero would get, you know, thrown into it when he didn't really ask for anything. It just happened to be there in that trap. And, um, and of course, the, the girl was kind of... It's a mutual rescue as well, so it's quite nice. Uh, yeah, just watch from, it. From knowing he's you know, work since Amelie in particular, yeah. I will definitely give this a watch. Yeah, and it is comical, but also I mentioned Terry 
I, I think we can't talk about practical effect without talking about Terry Gillian. No. Because, no. I mean, it's the Monty Python visual effect yeah. guy. He's Brazil. He's the adventure of the Baron of Munchausen. Terry knew what he was doing. Exactly. And same thing. It's always so quirky. And I love that atmosphere. Um, very fantasy world within our world. Mm-hmm. And... Um, quite Tim Burton in Big Fish is quite close to that yeah it's quite close to Gillian or Gilliam I never know how to pronounce Terry Terry just call him Tezza very close to that Tezza atmosphere and again for me there's nothing more beautiful and, and imaginative than good practical effects if a film can immerse you with practical effects it's yeah. a giant achievement it won yeah exactly it's just because very often it's... I, I, you know, I'm not diminishing the effort and work that goes into CGI special oh, effects um, <laughs> because it's it takes it. hundreds of thousands of hours of doing it and making sure that it looks as realistic as physically possible with the technology that they have to hand. But at the same point, there's just something about practical effects which draws you in. I, I would say that's like if you're reading a book... Right, you're reading a physical book. That would be practical effect. And if you're reading on your Kindle, Kindle are great. Yeah, They're practical. You Kindles. can have one thousand books in that tiny thing. It's light. You can carry it everywhere. That would be the CGI. But it's not the same. No. You don't have the flavor of turning the pages. You don't have the flavor of even picturing yourself in it. Picturing yourself in that set. You, you know, when you have never-ending story and the kid is stuck with his horse in that. Um, swamp you picture yourself in it because you can see it that's a big difference if it's if you can feel like you're not on a physical set and there's nothing but an empty stage you can't really get inside the story so that that's yeah that's old school book with the dust on it and yeah it looks a bit run down but you you feel it more. You get a better feel for it. Yeah, and and it's like the, when you finish the book, you can physically close it. A Kindle, you, what you're just switching it off. It's not the same. And CGI for me will will never do it. It a CGI a great tool to enhance practical effects, but it shouldn't be the other way around. I agree. Oh my Look god, do we agree? Yeah, we agree on something. <laughs> Should we close on that? We will. That <laughs> Please, is, before we disagree on something else. <laughs> that is the end of this week's show, Sound and Vision, the movie theme podcast. Mm. Next week, I will be back with another guest, another theme. Um, Emmanuel Martin will be back because we need to look like that we branch out to not just, you know, average cinema. We need, we need, we, we, we need to go to... <laughs> the world cinema and Emmanuel knows her stuff to say the least um, <laughs> or, or, although I do dig her she does know her stuff which is nice but until until next week and until Manuel returns thank you very much well thank you for having me again it was lovely and <laughs> yeah, love it have a week <laughs> <laughs>